It's not just another day in your life. Things are changing for the better. At Comcast, we see those changes and we're thinking about how we use technology today to live, work, learn, and play. And we're building for the future now, so we're better prepared for the wants and needs of tomorrow. That's why Comcast is rolling out multi-gig internet speeds to more than 50 million homes and businesses before the end of 2025, making our already industry-leading network even faster, smarter, greener, and more reliable. Over the decades, Comcast has been your partner, working hard to serve your community, and will continue to be your partner. We're expanding our gigabits so you can enjoy the tiny bits that matter most. Hi, I'm Shaletta Brundage. I'm a media personality, podcaster, and a business owner. But my most important role is mom. Three of my beautiful kids have been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. When I didn't know who to trust or where to turn, I found Agra. Acra provides home care services to families all over Minnesota. The care is not one size fits all. They know each one of my kids is unique. They listen to what resources we needed and what's best for our family. I've seen my kids grow and thrive with Acra's in-home care. While autism is the most common diagnosis among Acra clients, Acra offers personalized in-home care services for people with disabilities, chronic illnesses, behavioral diagnosis, and mental illness. They work with children, adolescents, and older folks too. Find out more about ACRA at their website, acrahomecare.org. ACRA helps me provide my kids with a better quality of life. They can do it for your family too. Want your boss to put some real action behind the rhetoric when they talk about making your workplace more inclusive? Find out how to hold their feet to the fire and demand diversity on the Diversity Dude podcast. Hello there, and welcome to the Diversity Dude podcast. I'm your host, Lambert Fisher, marriage and family therapist, award-winning author, and national speaker on the topic of multicultural awareness and diversity. And for those of you who are interested in even more positive and encouraging tips and strategies beyond what I share in podcasts like this, then feel free to check out my award-winning book, Diversity and Clinical Practice nationally recognized for the unique way in which it addresses the often difficult topic of multicultural awareness and diversity. Designed for more than just therapists, if you're a helping professional in any way, diversity and clinical practice can help you meet the greatest variety of cultural needs possible for those whom you serve. And it's available in paper and audiobook versions for your convenience. And whether it be through my one-on-one -on -one relationship building efforts as a therapist or my informing and empowering efforts as an author speaker, know this, my personal mission is to do my part to improve the world one strengthened relationship at a time. So today I wanna to share with you an encouraging perspective on the myth that DEI is dead. In a recent podcast, I discussed the growing phenomenon of diversity fatigue, where I addressed not only the reality of diversity leadership positions being threatened, but also a healthy response to decreased intense focus on diversity that has impacted so many. If you've seen this trend in your workplace as well, or if you worry about how to reduce this impact on you, then I recommend that after this, you go back and listen to that podcast message as well. Today, though, 
I'm inspired to elaborate further on that similar idea following a recent declaration by Virginia's governor-appointed chief diversity officer, Martin D. Brown, as he expressed during a speech given at a mandatory Virginia Military Institute assembly where he proclaimed that DEI is dead. In case you're not familiar with the acronym, DEI stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And according to Mr. Brown, whose position is chief diversity officer, he declared that DEI is dead. In his elaboration, he cited many complaints that people have had about DEI and the negative impact that it has had in many workplace environments. He further justified his assertion by con conveying that diversity for diversity's sake, as the primary mission of a company is inherently flawed. That equal results can't be guaranteed and efforts to pursue, produce such can cause more harm than good. And that forced inclusion risks ignoring the hard work of those who earn the right to be included. Now, these sentiments don't originate with him and many share these conclusions. You may even share these thoughts or know someone who does. And in a weird way, listen carefully to the sentence. I agree in some ways with the many risks and cautions that he describes. However, the perspective he takes on it seems a little skewed, and I come to a very different conclusion about how we and everyone else can benefit moving forward in the future of DEI, no matter what form it takes. Let me explain. First, let me be clear that I have no loyalty to DEI, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I don't have a vested interest in keeping a DEI leadership position or policies and procedures, et cetera, in place. I, what I am, though, is a, is a therapist invested in helping strengthen personal and professional relationships wherever possible. I remind you of this because it explains my belief that while DEI positions, titles, roles, and companies, company-funded initiatives may or may not be impacted moving forward, dare I say die, but DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion cannot die if we are to continue to grow as a society. Let's break it down. Diversity, the D in, in DEI, diversity is not an initiative. It's an acknowledgement that there are similarities and differences between us all. And those similarities and differences can either draw us closer together in shared appreciation of our con connected experiences or contribute to more polarization due to fears of what those differences could mean to our own or shared lives. DEI initiatives may die, but diversity isn't going away. Even if we tire of the emphasis of, on diversity, we must not ignore the significance of doing more than just tolerating differences, but to continually learn about and utilize our similarities and differences to continually enhance the services we provide and the relationships that we build along the way. Similarly, the E in DEI, equity, is not about guaranteeing equal results. Sure, we can aim and hope for equal results for everyone, but the focus of equity is more about acknowledging the influence of historical practices and trends that have had lingering ramifications, especially on the reality that comparable effort doesn't have a chance of equal, equal results if the starting points are not equitable. So even if DEI efforts die, if the initiatives die, intentional efforts to slowly reduce the lingering impact of the past on that's just the way things have always been practices that disproportionately impact some more than others must continue if we're ever going to live in a society where everyone's true potential can be fairly seen and experienced. And the I in DEI, inclusion. Is it about forced affirmative action quotas where underqualified professionals get opportunities they did not earn? Rather, it reminds me of that quote that says, 
if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always gotten. As a therapist, I very much understand the reasonable and natural tendency to stick with what and who we are most familiar with. However, we all benefit when we make intentional efforts to include new perspectives, not just in feedback surveys that we can ignore if we choose to, but in significant roles and positions, making significant decisions and enhancing the skills and creativity an organization has to work with and the increased awareness of a greater variety of needs an organization can meet, as well as the problems that they will be able to avoid as well. I know a handful of organizations that have gotten in trouble in, re in the news in recent years when they promote a new product that was later considered to be culturally offensive. And it sent a message to me that there was likely a well-intentioned lack of in inclusion in that environment. I often found myself thinking, if you had just one person from a different cultural background in the room where decisions get made, that they could have brought a unique perspective that would have led to knowing that different things are interpreted and understood by different people and that could have saved that company from a PR nightmare. DEI initiatives may die, but the need and value for making intentional efforts to include diverse voices and contributions will remain necessary. DEI isn't a charity initiative that can be considered expendable. It's just a convenient acronym that symbolizes intentional efforts to make everyone, no matter how similar or different, feel seen, heard, understood, and valued inside the organization, from bottom to top, and outside into the broader community as well. My hope for you is that whether you're in an environment with intentional DEI initiatives, or if diversity fatigue has resulted in you being the only one in your organization who still cares, that you'll be able to find ways to even indirectly maintain a value for healthy diversity appreciation, intentional equity efforts, and the inclusion of a greater variety of perspectives and life experiences, not just for you or certain cultural groups, but for the betterment of, betterment of everyone in the organization and far beyond. And with that, I'll say thanks again for listening to the Diversity Do podcast. If you have any pressing diversity related questions that you'd like me to address in an upcoming podcast, or if your organization is in need of a shame free or empowering guest speaker or training on this often sensitive topic, then feel free to reach out to me directly at www.diversitymadesimple.com. And if you know of anyone else who could benefit from a positive and encouraging perspective on this often sensitive and difficult topic of diversity, feel free to send them a link to this podcast so they can be encouraged as well or share with them my award-winning book, Diversity in Clinical Practice, available at Amazon.com. And as usual, I look forward to addressing as many topics as possible in future podcasts to help you improve as many relationships as possible at work, at home, and in your community. And as always, remember this, you don't need to know everything about everyone in order to have a positive impact on someone. Thank you all for tuning in and have a great day. Tune in each week and find out how to demand and implement diversity at your job. To hear more, check out previous Diversity Dude shows on ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> on this season of Outside Chance, we're about to put the fly and fly fishing. I'm about to prove there's an outdoor activity for everybody. Yeah! This one I'm pretty confident I can make. <laughs> I'll break down gear, costs, and best locations to learn. Holy crap. Whoa! Yeah! Life yeah. is meant to be experienced. <laughs> Did you see that? Join me and find out what you've been missing. 
When I walked across that stage at my high school graduation, I was excited, but confused about my next step. Then I walked through the doors at Doherty Family College. Doherty Family College is part of the University of St. Thomas. It's a two-year college that lets you earn an associate's degree and puts you on a path to your bachelor's degree. Classes are small, so I have a personal relationship with professors committed to my success. Like the name says, they treat us like family. They call us scholars because they believe we could do anything we put our minds to. They set us up for excellence with free tutoring, and that's not the only thing that's free. Laptops, books, even breakfast and lunch, and bus fare. That's part of the package here at Doherty Family College. It's even free to apply. So do like I did. Go to dfc.stthomas.edu and set up a tour. We'd be excited to welcome you to our family here at Doherty Family College. Racial evidence had structured every aspect of life. Keeping black people in black spaces. Slavery's history is Minnesota's history. So much of working towards racial equity is around telling our own stories. Whether I'm taking the bus or the light rail, I'm on board with Metro Transit. What would I do without my ride? I hope to never find out. Metro Transit is my ticket to get where I need to go. Uptown or downtown, city or suburbs, no hassle. It's my reliable, affordable way to get to work, run errands, visit friends, and then get back home to my neighborhood. With easy to pay fares, I just jump on board and relax while a professional does the driving. This is my time to listen to my music, catch up with my friends on social media, play a game or read, or just chill out and unwind on the way to my destination. But sharing the ride is also about being with folks from my community, headed to school, or traveling to their appointments, or out on the town. Traveling together, we make our road safer and create a healthier environment for everyone. Get on board with Metro Transit. It's your ride, too. I am so excited to invite you to a one-of-a-kind experience featuring Isabel Wilkerson, the acclaimed New York Times best-selling author of The Warmth of Other Suns and Cast. You don't want to miss this incredible keynote event, emceed by NPR's Angela Davis and moderated by Chandra Smith-Baker. Wilkerson will share her powerful insights on the impact of cast on American society. Join Teach for America Twin Cities and the Minneapolis Foundation at Northrop on Friday, April 28th at 7 p.m. for an intimate evening of discussion and discovery. Visit Northrop's website or scan the QR code on your screen to secure your tickets today. Be part of something bigger. Join us at Northrop Auditorium for Exposing America's Invisible Scaffolding on April 28th at 7 p.m. You know Shaletta makes you laugh, but did you know Shaletta Brundage can also make you think and boost your business? Media personality, activist, and comedian Shaletta Brundage founded Shaletta Makes Me Laugh to celebrate and share the best of black culture. It's a podcasting platform. You can download 10 weekly podcasts hosted by African-American subject experts at ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com is also a production house creating broadcast quality commercial content. And Shaletta and her team of storytellers create powerful promotional campaigns to get businesses the brand awareness they're looking for. 
Some of Minnesota's top businesses trust Shaletta, and you can too. Get out the word about your events and products and get in front of communities of color with ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. She's got the power to help your business. When you're running your own business, it's exciting to imagine what's possible and overwhelming to think about how to make it work. You need a banker to help meet challenges and make the most of opportunities to grow. At Bremer Bank, we understand that success is always a team effort because right now, relationships matter more than ever and understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com. Everybody has a few things lying around that seem like trash but aren't right for the garbage bin either. Ramsey County is here to help. So if it's that pile of branches, those leftover food scraps, that stack of paint cans, or that old TV, Ramsey County makes it easy to drop off items like these and more without a lot of extra work, free of charge. Learn what items you can dispose of and wear at RamseyRecycles.com because in Ramsey County, recycling is for everyone. At General Mills, our table is your table and we believe racial equity, diversity, and inclusion are key ingredients for our success. Learn more about our work to inspire change at GeneralMills.com forward slash racial equity.